in our series, <clears throat> What We Believe, and um, you have an outline there on your table, you should, somewhere, and tonight we're in Romans chapter 6, we're talking about um, baptism tonight, what we believe about baptism, and um, baptism gets its meaning Baptism gets its, its importance, you could even say, from the death of Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, who died for our sins, and um, he was resurrected from the dead. Um, we're not talking mainly about something that's just a ritual that we do, a religious ritual or some kind of tradition. Uh, we're talking mainly about Christ. Um, and so we don't want to think... Oh, baptism, I know all that. You know, I know what that's about. Uh, we don't want to think small thoughts about baptism because it's, it's not a small subject. Uh, we should think big thoughts about baptism. And um, it's not a game. It's not a charade. It's something that's very real. It's weighty. It's not silly. Um, it carries a lot of weight with it. And so when you open your Bibles to Romans 6, we're going to focus on this verse in Romans 6, and uh, we're in this series called What We Believe, and we come, it's going to come out of our series Contending for the Faith when we went through Jude because um, we were sharing with you how you can contend for the faith, stand up for, defend, protect, uh, make sure you guard it, okay, our Christian faith, but in order for that to happen, um, you have to know it. You have to understand what you believe because you can't really believe that which you do not know and that which you can't explain. Um, and you can't explain what you do not know either. So it's it, it, kind of a vicious circle you find yourself in. And so we're in this series, What We Believe, and we want to make sure that we're not just giving you some information, but we're actually giving you some uh, facts that really matter that you can use that you can use to convince other people of what you believe. Uh, some here maybe are new believers. Maybe you've never had a study on baptism before. Some of us have been in the church a long time, and we probably know everything there is about to know about baptism. That's okay, because we're not here just to give you more facts and more information, but maybe we want to say something or maybe uh, just point you in a different direction so that when you're communicating these truths to somebody outside the church, or you're trying to explain your faith to someone else, you'll have a different uh, approach. You'll have a different way of doing it, I guess. Um, and truth is something we want to give you. We don't want to give you our opinions. We don't want to give you what we think. Um, but we give you truth so that you can hide it in your heart. And, and hopefully that helps you grow as a Christian. And we don't mean hide it in your heart in, in the way that you keep it from other people right? That's, that's not true, but we want you to hide it. It means that we, you really believe it. You understand what you believe. And, and this is something that is um, precious to the Lord, baptism is. And uh, so hopefully it's communicated in a way that you can take this information and share it with somebody else, okay? So it's kind of simplistic, but at the same time, uh, remember, you can't give away that which you cannot explain when it comes to your beliefs, if you can't explain your beliefs, you're not going to share them with others. And so this is where we're at in this, this series. 
Um, it, I think one of the most uh, confusing topics in the modern day church today, one of the most con controversial, you could say even, um, in the modern day church is that of baptism. And you say, really? I didn't know that. Well, that's probably because you're in a good Bible teaching church, okay? But there's a lot of churches out there that are really mixed up on this. But it's blatantly obvious what the Bible teaches about baptism. It's very clear. And I think there's a lot of reasons why there's a controversy. You know, do you get baptized when you're a baby? Do you get baptized when you're a believer? Do you get sprinkled? Do you get immersed? How do you, you know, all, all the modes of baptism that are out there. Um, but I think there's one reason we overlook a lot. And I think that many in the world are confused about exactly what baptism means because in our world today, all over the world, not just here in Redwood City, but everywhere, um, we have probably millions of people who are baptized who are not Christians. They're baptized, but they're not Christians. They're non-Christians. Uh, and then we have churches who are full of Christians who are not baptized. <laughs> so the world looks at this and they go, wait a minute, okay, this is, this is hurting my head. You have all these people who are baptized who aren't really living the life of a Christian, and then you have all these Christians who say they're committed to a church, but they're not baptized. Um, and, you know... You have to stop and you have to say, no wonder they're confused. Because we're giving them two pictures that are kind of incorrect. Um, there's people within the church, they couldn't care less about baptism. And so we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, is this something that we care about? Is this something that God cares about? And I want to show you tonight, I think it is. I think it's something that's very important. But we have people today who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and yet, for whatever reason, have not been baptized. And people look at that and go, that's weird. Um, and people notice things like that. Don't think they don't notice. They do. Uh, a world full of baptized non-Christians and churches full of non-baptized Christians, people are like, what's going on here? Um, the non-dedicated are baptized, but the, the dedicated are not baptized. And so it's kind of frustrating for people. And when they come to this, baptism must not be all that important. That's probably what they end up thinking in the end. Baptism must not be all that important to these people. And I would tell you, there's nothing further from the truth when it comes to the Bible. Um, did you know that the Bible mentions the word baptism, mentions baptism, it's mentioned 74 times. 74 times. Now, anything, anytime God says something once, right, we should pay attention. Would you agree? But when he says it 74 times, uh, maybe it's a little, maybe it's important. Okay? If I came over and started poking you in your arm and I poked you once, you may turn around and look at me. You may not. But if I stood there and I poked you 74 times, you'd, what do you want? You know, I'd get your attention, right? It's the same thing with the Lord. Um, so stop and ask yourself, do you think God would waste all of this space within his precious word, um, all the, the times he brings up baptism, 
and then say, well, it's not really a big deal. Believer's baptism is not a big deal. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think Jesus would do that. I don't think God would do that. But think about this. Jesus had a ministry here on earth about three and a half years, three years, three and a half years. And do you know how he started that ministry? Do you know how he commenced it, how he initiated, how he began his ministry? Before he performed any miracles, before he preached any messages, before he called any of his disciples, you know what he did? He walked 60 miles from Nazareth to Galilee to be baptized by John the Baptist. 60 miles. You know how far 60 miles is? 60 miles. But to give you a reference, like here to Santa Cruz, about 58 miles. It's quite a ways. I mean, do you think Jesus was just out walking one day and said, ah, I just think I'll stroll 60 miles down here to get baptized by John, but it's really no big deal. I don't think he would do that. Um, most of us wouldn't walk 60 miles for anything. Most of us wouldn't walk 60 miles for food, right? I mean, 60 miles, you're going to walk to Santa Cruz for something? I mean, maybe if it was, you know, you had no more food where you were at, and it was day five, you might consider it, but then you never make it. You never get there. So, you know, he, he the Son of God commenced his ministry with baptism. What's interesting is three and a half years later, one of the last things, the last things that Jesus did before he ascended to the Father, after his ministry was over, one of the last things that he said to his disciples before he went, before he left earth and went back to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit as the comforter, one of the last things he said, it's called the Great Commission, and it's, it's found in Matthew 28. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What's he say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, from the very beginning, he starts his ministry with baptism. And then before he ascends to the Father, um, he speaks and says, this is one of the last things that I want to tell you. Make sure you go everywhere and make disciples and baptize everyone. I, I just find that amazing. God in his word speaks of this 74 times. Um, what I want you to hear is this. Please don't make light of it. Don't trivialize that which God has put significance to or put weight to. If God mentioned it 74 times, I think there's a reason. Don't think lightly about that. And a lot of times in the church, people have trivialized baptism. Um, maybe some of you got the email of what was being taught tonight, and you thought, oh, baptism, I've been baptized, I know about it, I'm not coming. You know, whatever, maybe the Lord convicted you and you ended up coming anyway. But what did we do there? We trivialized it, right? We took something that God thinks a great deal of, and we said, that's ah, not that important already been there, done that. Why? Because we reduce it down to a simple ceremony. We reduce it down to water, basically. Reduce it down to something that isn't even meaningful. And I want to tell you that God says that's really a prideful, arrogant attitude. That's where that comes from. 
It's an arrogant person who would think so little of something that God thinks so much of. And so we want to look at tonight what this baptism is, what it means. And um, if Jesus started his ministry and he ended his ministry with it, it must be important. So let's look at the first thing here. Um, We're going to start, and the first point there in your outline is the meaning of believer's baptism. Believer's baptism. So there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens when you come to Christ, when you put your faith, your trust in Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. Okay, that's different than believer's baptism. That doesn't involve any water. It's, it's something that God does um, sovereignly when we are saved. He places us in Christ. Here we're talking about believer's baptism. Baptism, the word baptism in the Greek in the New Testament um, if you look it up, it's the word baptizo. And it's, it's what they call a, a, a transliteration. They transliterate because they, they didn't have an English word for the word baptizo. So they just said, okay, we'll just call it baptize. It's the same thing, same word almost. Baptizo, baptize. And, and, and he, he, he did this, I think, because we, he wants us to understand what it literally means. And what it means there, you see the definition on your outline, it means to fully dip, plunge, or immerse. <laughs> to fully dip, plunge, or immerse. That's why as Bible-believing Christians, we would say that <clears throat> taking somebody and baptizing them under the water is the proper mode of baptism. Because that's what they did in the Bible. If you look up different illustrations in the Bible where they were going to get baptized, they went down into the water. It never says someone came over and took a little water and sprinkled it on their head. That's not baptism. And yet there's wonderful theologians that believe that. I don't know where they get it from. But as Christians that believe the Bible, we believe that it means to dip, to plunge, or immerse because that's the, the biblical definition of it. And they would, they would use it when they were dyeing fabric, if they were dyeing a shirt, they would take it and they would dip it in a purple dye, you know, and they weren't into tie-dye things, so they just didn't take a part of it and dip it in and then dip it in a different color. They dipped the whole shirt in and they'd pull it out and it'd be completely dyed purple. Okay, that's the idea here. This is the biblical mode. The biblical way of being baptized is to plunge, just like we saw a couple weeks ago when Laura got baptized on a Sunday morning, She came down into the baptismal, and she was dipped. She was fully put under the water. Now, I would use, could use the word, instead of immersion, submerge. But that has a different meaning. So we use the word immerse. um, Because there's a significant difference between immersion and submersion. Um... When you submerge something, (laughs) simply put, you don't intend on bringing it back up. (laughs) Okay, so praise God for immersion, right? As a matter of fact, I think Ken said to to Laura, you know, you've never been baptized before, and have you ever seen Steve baptized? Well, sometimes he brings them up, sometimes he holds them down a little longer, (laughs) you know, I mean. (laughs) So praise God that we're talking about immersion and not submersion, um, at First Baptist, my first church, the pastor arranged for this young little kid to get baptized. He was about 12, this boy. He was a believer. I, I really believe he was a believer. And 
he could, you know, explain the gospel and say what he believed and everything. But I remember right before the music stopped and we were going to go down into the baptismal, he pulled on my, we wore robes when we got baptized, poured on my robe, and he said, um, uh, Pastor Steve, how long are you going to hold me under? <laughs> and his eyes, you know, he's looking at me, and I said, till the bubbles start coming up. <laughs> and he was like, oh, no. And I thought, you know what? If this, still, if this kid still goes through with it, I know he's a believer, you know. And, and uh, you know, it's just funny. People have different, different kind of thoughts of baptism. And, you know, sometimes parents would say, hey, I'll give you a little more if you hold them down a little longer, you know, whatever, if they're kind of a rambunctious kid. But it means to plunge. It means to dip. And, and we've reduced it um, down to something when we, we, we don't have the, the explanation of the definition. We don't know the meaning. Okay, so, so it, it means to plunge. It means to dip. But we've, we've kind of boiled it down if you only have the definition of something and you don't have the explanation of something, you can't really pass that information on effectively. Would you agree? I mean, if you leave here tonight and say, yeah, you know, uh, Steve said that baptism means plunge, to dip, to immerse under the water, and that's all you got. And you go out and you try to tell your friends, you know, hey, you know, what's baptism? Oh, you're, you're, you need to plunge, you need to dip. <laughs> that's not really going to help them understand it, right? Um, they need more than just a definition. They need what? An explanation. And that's where we're at. That's what we want to do. So in, in Romans 6, Paul kind of digs down to the roots here and helps us begin to understand really what the meaning here is of baptism. And look at what he says in verses 1, 1 to 4 of Romans 6. He says there, uh, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. How can we who, look at this, who died to sin, we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him, by baptism, there it is again, into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too walk in the newness of life. So he, he kind of gives us this, this explanation here. Through baptism, every Christian is saying something. When you're baptized, you're baptized publicly and, and you're saying something. And you notice there, through that text that we just read, do you see it? We, 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 we. Um, who is the we? Who is the we? The, the we is what? Us. The we is the church. Every believer, every genuine follower of Jesus Christ, that's who the we is. Everyone who says, I believe the gospel. I believe that Christ is God, that he is the Messiah. I believe that he's the one that came and, 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 and lived a perfect life and he came to rescue me and he died a sacrificial death on a cross and he rose victorious after three days. I believe. Every person who believes that, that's who this is speaking to. Um, when you think of Paul, realize this. Paul would not have understood, nor would he have known someone who was an unbaptized believer. 
they wouldn't have existed. It just, it's, it's not a, wouldn't have been a common thing at all. It didn't make any sense. See, that's why they didn't say here, you know, you, know, you have to be baptized. Why? Because everybody wanted to be baptized. Because it, it, was, it was, they understood the meaning of it. This wasn't about having to be baptized. It was that you couldn't stop them from getting baptized in the New Testament church. You want to identify with Christ? You want to show that you've been transformed on the inside? You, you want everybody to know that you stand with Christ and with his life and with his power and his resurrection? And that you're trusting in his sacrifice, his blood for the forgiveness of the sin, of your sins. You want this? Yes. Then guess what? They, they got baptized. And that was the, the same burning passion, really, that, that, that caused Jesus Christ to leave heaven and want to identify with you and I and come to this, this earth and take on a human body as God, Right? then go to a cross, give up his life. And he did that all publicly for everybody to see because he had a, a burning passion to rescue us, to pay the, the debt that we couldn't pay for our own sin. And that same passion is put in us by the power of the Holy Spirit to what? To surrender to him publicly for all to see. And you know what? It's done through the waters of baptism. If you're a believer here tonight, if you've said that I've trusted in Christ, and, but you know what? The, the, you don't have a burning passion to display that publicly. I would say something's wrong. There's something wrong. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying there's something wrong. Because that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit, when he comes and he resides within us, one of the first things he does, one of the first things a believer should do after they put their faith and trust in Christ, is what? Be obedient to the Lord and answer the call to be baptized. The problem is when we take the first step wrong or we fail to take the first step of obedience, all the other steps in our Christian life don't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense. So we need to take the first step. This is the easiest step you'll ever take as a believer. You may not think that, but it is. Um, and, and, you know, you can come up with all kinds of reasons not to be baptized. But he's saying, you know what, there are no exceptions to this. Every believer, you're part of the we if you're in Christ. You need to be baptized, biblically, in believer's baptism. Um, and people will say, well, you don't know my situation. Doesn't ha I don't have to. If, if there would have been an exception here, God would have put it in his word. <laughs> you know, uh, you have to get baptized unless this. No, it doesn't, doesn't put it there because you're not exempt. So what do we say when we are baptized? The first thing we say, look at what it says there. I deserve God's judgment. I deserve God's judgment. This is what we're communicating to people when we're baptized. We're saying, you know what? The wages of my sin is death, Romans 3.23. And through baptism, every Christian is saying, you know what? I deserve God's judgment. That's the public display that you're giving. 
That's what Romans 6, 4 is talking about. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. What is death? Death is the judgment of God on our sin. The soul that sins will die. For the wages of sin is death. Everything that sins must die, God says. And so the curse of God, the penalty of God for our sin is death. And and guess what? Christ took that death for us. That's what he did when he died on the cross. And when someone, think about this, when someone dies, what is the normal next step? When someone dies, generally, normally, you have a funeral, right? And and what do you do with them? You you, you take that body that's now dead, and, and what happens? You bury it. Or you dispose of it. They die and they're, they're buried. That, that's really a, a picture of, of helplessness and hopelessness. A dead body can't do anything. I've never seen someone who was dead bury themselves. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. And that's why you can't baptize yourself. Because you're dead. No one buries themselves. You're dead. It has to be done for you. You're dead. And then people who love you, they they bury you or they make a memorial for you. In baptism, no one buries themselves themselves spiritually because you're dead. You need someone to bury you. And, And it's really representing God who's burying you with Christ. And it represents God bringing you then back to life. That's why when we baptize someone, we say, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to the newness of life as they come back out of the water. He doesn't believe in submersion. You don't get buried and never come up, God forbid, right? It's immersion. He brings you back up. But guess what? The first step is burial, not resurrection. You can't be resurrected if you're not buried. And so what's that mean? It means we have to die. We have to say that I deserve God's wrath. I, I deserve God's punishment because I'm a sinner. And guess what? I deserve it. I fully acknowledge that. And that's what he's wanting us to understand. And it's always been preached that way. Think all the way back with John the Baptist. What was his message? His message was repent and what? Be baptized. <laughs> repent be baptized. Repentance is always the prerequisite for baptism. In the New Testament, repentance always precedes baptism. you You could say a heart that is not accompanied with repentance and that heart gets into a baptistry to be baptized. What's happening there? That person's getting wet. That's it. They're getting wet. You might as well just break out the the soap and the shampoo and make good use of the water because that's all that's happening there. It's not doing anything. It's not sending a message. It's not doing anything if the life hasn't changed, if there's no repentance. But biblical, acceptable baptism is one that has first recognized that, you know what, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. And if if I continue down this path as a sinner, I will die in my sins and I will be separated from God. And guess what? I deserve it. Some people 
look at baptism and say, well, baptism's kind of like a, a, a wedding ring. Right? Have you ever heard this? It's like a wedding ring. It's a symbol. You know, when you have your wedding ring on, that's a symbol that you're married, right? I can't get this off. Um, and anyway, I was going to take it off. If I take this off and put it in my pocket, guess what? I'm still married, right? I'm still married. So it's not a real good illustration when it comes to baptism. There's been a lot of times in my ministry when I've been able to say to a young couple, getting married by the power invested in me, I now, by the authority of God, pronounce you what? Husband and wife. Okay, that authority is not in me. It's, it's in God's word. It, it's, it's, it's in God's power. But I don't have the power and I don't have the authority to say to two men, I now pronounce you husband and husband. I don't have that kind of authority. God doesn't grant that kind of authority. I, I wouldn't have the authority to say to th three people, you know, I now pronounce you husband, wife, and husband. That, that God doesn't give that kind of authority. I mean, if, if, if you were to compare it to marriage, you would have to say it's the whole marriage ceremony, not just the ring. Because if I were to say, you know what, I pronounce two men husband and husband, they would, just, they would be just as unmarried after I said those words, as they were before. Because <laughs> I have no authority to change God's perspective on these things. See, the church, God has given the church the power and the authority to baptize someone in the name of Christ if, if a heart is full of repentance and understands that Jesus Christ is the one they cling to and the one they believe in and the one they rely upon. It has to be faith in Christ and repentance of sin. A heart full of that. Then the church has the power and the authority to baptize them. And by the way, that doesn't save them. Baptism does not save you, okay? You're not saved when you get, get baptized. It's just an outward sign of an inward change. It's an outward sign that God has done something different in your life. He's transformed you. He's forgiven you. He's made you a new person in Christ. And because of that, you're following the Lord through the waters of baptism. That's why it's no small thing. When, when we see that, when we see someone being baptized, the proper response should not be, you know, a golf clap. Right? Because it's a big deal. When someone gets baptized, I mean, it should be, hey, praise the Lord, right? I mean, it's an exciting thing because you're watching someone who is committing their life to Christ. They're saying, hey, I've repented of my sins. I've, I've, tr I've tr been transferred from darkness to light. Well, the second thing here is not only I deserve God's judgment, but I believe in God's Son. This is the second thing you're saying when you get baptized. You're saying, first of all, hey, I'm, I'm here because I'm a sinner. I, I, I deserve God's judgment. But secondly, I believe in God's son. You're saying, basically, the only thing that spares me from the judgment that I believe I deserve, the only thing that saves me from what I deserve is the one I'm trusting in. And I believe he is who he says he is. And I believe that he's done what he says he has done and I'm trusting in him, and I'm relying on him, and I'm surrendering to him, and to him what? Alone. No one else. That's what the person 
is saying. That's what their heart should be saying when they're baptized. They're saying, I believe John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. They're saying, I believe in 1 Timothy 1, 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul says, of whom I am foremost. When's the last time we said that? I mean, how many of us would say, yeah, I'm a pretty, <laughs> I'm a pretty bad sinner? Right here, right here. I mean, you'd have to lie not to put your hand up. We're all sinners. We all need God's grace. They would say, I believe in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, when you want to follow Christ, when you want to lay it all down, baptism isn't for seekers. It's for believers. Baptism isn't for doubters. It's for believers. Baptism isn't even for those who are satisfied by simply attending a church. It's for those who say, you know what? No, I am part of the church. I am part of the church. I don't attend church. I am part of the church. Our family has a family reunion. I don't just attend the family reunion. I am one of the family, <laughs> right? And we come together around that unity that we have. So I deserve God's judgment. I know that I believe in God's son. And here's another thing you're saying. I have God's life. I have God's life. I deserve God's judgment. I believe in God's son, but I have God's life. That's what we're declaring when you're baptized, Not you're going to get it. Not that it's down the road. No, I already have it. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, you have eternal life. You have God's life. I'm not going to get it when I die. I already have it. It's something we possess now. And Jesus says, if you believe in him, you will get eternal life. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, you will what? You will have eternal life currently it's a present thing it comes to you immediately and that's why romans 6 4 he says there buried with him raised from the dead and then what live a new life live a new life newness of life here's the thing you need to understand you can't live a new life until you get rid of the old one you can't live a new life until you get rid of the old one See, that's why this whole understanding when it comes to baptism, you have to understand the burial and the death. That's why it's so important that we died with Christ because you cannot live a new life if you're still alive in your old life. I mean, you know what we call people that try to live two lives, right? Schizophrenic, right? There's something not right there. You can't do that. You are, you, you are either you <laughs> You are living your life, or you are living Christ's life. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, there it is, but Christ who lives, what, in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we know this, this verse well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, when you come to Christ, you don't just add Jesus as you know, another person to the table of your life. No. It says you're, you're a brand new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's new life there now. The one who is victorious, the one who stands over sin, his life the newness has come to you. He's in you. So either you're, you're living your life or you're living Christ's life. But you can't live both. You can't live both. You're either living one or the other. It's one or the other. Ask yourself, are you, are you living for Christ or are you living for you? When you look at your life, you got your life all planned out, where you're going to work, where you're going to do, who you're going to marry, all this stuff, how many kids you're going to have, and everything's just you know, right down in the spreadsheet. It's all lined up for you um, until you realize, wow, nothing's working out. <laughs> What's happening? My plans are, are, are crashing all around me, and you start to freak out, and then you start to realize, wait a minute, I've been living my own life. This is my life I'm living. This isn't Christ's life. I'm doing what I want to do. We have to live for the Lord. So I deserve God's judgment. I believe God's son. I have God's life. The fourth thing here is rather important. When we get baptized, we're proclaiming that we are in God's family. We are in God's family. In Hebrews 2.11, it says, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, which means to be set apart as holy, all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. You know, it's neat to know that when you look around a room like this, if you've committed your life to Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, if you know that you deserve God's judgment and you believe in God's Son and you have His life, you know what? We're all one here. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, That's why it doesn't hurt when someone says, you know what? You're nothing but a sinner. Amen, brother. Sinner saved by God's grace. I mean, try to call an unbeliever a sinner and see what they do. They'll freak out. Well, I'm a pretty good person. You know, they'll, they'll go down that road. No, you're just a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We agree together that we are sinners, but we are saved by God's grace, by belief in God's Son, by belief in His gospel. And we have God's life and we're part of God's family and we praise God for that and this is why baptism is something that's practiced publicly you don't go over here in the closet and get baptized hiding from everybody the first step of, of your walk with Christ is basically saying hey you know what yeah I'm following Christ now and I am not ashamed of the gospel I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ because in Paul's day when you got baptized, when you, when you made that transition from Judaism to Christianity or from paganism to Christianity, a lot of times your life was on the line. 
in so many different ways. It wasn't a trivial thing. I mean, today it's such a trivial thing. Oh, somebody became a Christian. Oh, praise God, that's so great. I mean, how great would it be if you lost your business after you became a Christian? If your family wasn't having to do with you? If the authorities were looking to hunt you down and cut off your head after you became a Christian? Then we may not be so celebratory and so trivial about us coming to Christ. We may understand the deeper understanding of what it means to give up our life for Christ, right? And we wouldn't be ashamed of Jesus as much as we are today. We have a whole generation today of people who say they're Christians, but they're ashamed of the church. They say they're Christians, but they're ashamed of the church. I'm a Christian, I don't go to church, so I'm not going to that church. Full of hypocrites. I'm telling you here tonight, you cannot be a true born-again Christian and be ashamed of the church. It's impossible. Impossible. You can't be ashamed of that which Jesus calls his bride, the one that he came to redeem, the one that he bought, that he laid down his life, and he's coming back for. Now, you can look at the church and say, ah, they got a ways to go. Yeah, that's true. We do. We're imperfect on every side. You can say, wow, they messed up that one. Yeah, we probably did. We, we haven't been everything we should have been. But you can't say, I'm a believer in Christ, but I'll never be over there in that church. Doesn't make any sense. Because to be ashamed of the church is to be ashamed of who? Of Jesus Christ himself. Because it's his church. And see, baptism is a way that we can say, you know what? I'm part of the church. I'm proud to be standing here and telling you that, you know what? I deserve God's judgment, but I believe in God's son, and he gave me God's life. And now I want to identify with you, the church. It's a wonderful way to celebrate that. I don't understand how any New Testament believer would want to go to heaven without being baptized. You're going to live in a place of eternity with a baptized Savior who, by the way, called you to be baptized, to identify with him. And you're going to stay there for all of eternity. I don't want to do that. I want to be obedient to Christ. He's called every New Testament believer to follow him, to be identified with him, and to be baptized in him forever. And you know what? You only got one life. You only got one life. You can't relive this life. Once you're in eternity, you're there. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of this is, is maybe not being shamed. Maybe it's people saying, I, you know, I just don't like getting in front of people. You know, I, I don't want to get my hair wet, I, I don't want this, I don't want that, and, and, you know, I understand that. I don't want the attention on me either, but it is. And, and, and this is just something you have to kind of own up to. Um, and this leads to the motive. So that's the, the meaning of baptism, to dip, to plunge, to immerse. But now we come to the motive. 
and hopefully that's the, the explanation with the definition. And, and we're, we're proclaiming that every single person uh, should be baptized if they trust Christ. Um, and, and a lot of times people will answer, well, I think that's a personal thing between me and God. Well, it's true. You know what? Um, it, it's true that your relationship with God is a personal relationship, but God also says that your relationship with him, while it's personal, it's never private. <laughs> never private. So we have to think about that. It's supposed to be public. Uh, so what's the motive? The motive of believer's baptism. Four things here quickly. Uh, the, the motive of believer's baptism. First one, humility. Uh, humility. It's an opportunity to be humble. <laughs> I mean, uh, to demonstrate humility. You know, a lot of different people come up with all kinds of things. You know, I'm an introvert. I like it in front of people. I don't want my hair wet. All the all myriad of things. And, and baptism isn't meant to be a time where you're embarrassed, but it is meant to be humbling. It's a humbling thing to have to stand in front of a group of people and, and give your personal testimony. That's a humbling thing. Um, and you say, well, you know, I just, I don't want to get up there and put myself down. Well, you're dead anyway. You're a dead corpse and you're being buried, spiritually speaking, right? It's supposed to be humbling. That's the whole point. You've died and you've been buried and now you're saying, you know what? Uh, I don't want to do this in front of people. I don't, I don't want to be obedient to what God is calling me to do. I think that's an important thing to think about um, because I, I really believe that 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 baptism is kind of the great, great equalizer. Um, it's a very humbling thing. And you cannot be saved by a, a humble Savior if you refuse to be a humble sinner. You can't be saved by a humble Savior if you refuse to be a humble sinner. I mean, this is what Christ did for us. He did all this for us. And now we're going to say no. Repentance on the inside is reflected by baptism on the outside. That's really what it is. It's that, it's that humble message. I am worthless apart from Christ. I'm dead in my sin. I deserve death. I deserve separation, burial forever. But glory to God, he saved me. I was baptized with him and now I've been raised Newness to life with Christ. You cannot be raised with Christ if you were never buried with him. Um, you know, but when you think about getting baptized, it's, it's funny because pretty much everybody gets baptized. It kind of end up looking the same way if you think about it. You know, here in our church, we don't wear robes or anything. They just show up in a, like a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. You know, uh, there's nobody up there in their Armonti suit getting baptized. You know, I'd say, hey, put some shorts on, put a bathing suit on, whatever. Um, you know, and, and every woman I've all, that I've ever baptized, and some of them had, you know, just beautiful hairdos when they showed up for the baptism. They probably spent $100 or so getting all baptized. You know, when they come out of the water, man, the hair is just a mess. They all look the same. 
right? It's equalized. It, it brings everybody right back to the base level. That's what it's supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to do. In other words, you lose all concept of looking at yourself because you want people not to look at you. You want them to look at what Christ has done in you. You want to point people to Christ. Um, another motive, not just humility, but obedience. Remember, Jesus was baptized. And, and John, even John kind of opposed that. He said, wait a minute, I'm not going to baptize you. I mean, you don't need to be baptized. You need to baptize me. Uh, you're the sinless one. Um, but what did Jesus say? He said, John, I'm going to be baptized to fulfill righteousness. You know what that means? It, it means because it's the right thing to do. I'm, I'm giving people an example here. To fulfill our righteousness, I'm going to obey the Father. This is the right thing to do. Some of you may have been baptized as a baby. Not, not a sin to be baptized as a baby. Not a sinful thing. A lot of times it's just the parents dedicating the child that they would grow up and come to know Christ and repent of their sins and, and trust in the Savior and be saved. That's fine. It's not a sinful thing. But I would say the Bible says it's incomplete. It's not believer's baptism because you didn't believe when you were a baby. <laughs> you didn't know Christ when you were a baby. If you're struggling, you know, with, with the idea of why should I be baptized, just answer the question, because it's the right thing to do, because the Lord commanded it. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but he, he did the right thing. And then identification is the third motive. He identified with Christ identified with us as a human being, right? When he came down and he was incarnate, he took on a, a human body, and he went and he died for us on the cross. He identified with us as he rose from the dead. And I rose with him. He identified with us with our opportunity to publicly identify with him in baptism. I mean, you can't really think that you're going to go out and boldly stand for the gospel if you won't boldly stand in water before people. I just don't see how that's going to work out for you. If people are going to kill you if you share the gospel or if you believe the gospel, you can't expect that if you're going to stand strong if, if you weren't even willing to be baptized in front of fellow believers. This is the first step of obedience because it gets harder. And this is the fourth one here, evangelism, evangelism. Another reason for baptism is evangelism. Um, here in this church, some churches, they have a scheduled baptism time. You know, they schedule baptisms out throughout the year. Here, we do it when people want to get baptized. So it's up to you. If you want to get baptized, you can come to me and, and you know, you, you don't come and say, well, when's the next baptism? No, it's like, when do you want to get baptized? <laughs> you set the date. And the reason we do that is because we want to make sure that you can invite your friend and your families and, and, and people that won't come to church, maybe to hear me preach, but boy, if you're going to get baptized, I want to see that. And they'll come. And they'll sit through a whole service just to see you get dunked in the water. So it's evangelism. We want to be able to, to, to 
give that gospel presentation. You know, when Laura was baptized a couple of weeks ago, she gave a gospel presentation whether she realized it or not. A very strong one, very heartfelt one. In visual form, we saw the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel. When a person is, is baptized, we want you to invite your family and friends and whoever else that have come. Because they're going to see the gospel lived out in front of them. They're going to see someone who says, you know what? I deserve death. I deserve God's judgment. But now I believe in God's son. And guess what? Now I have God's life. And guess what? I, I, am, I am part of this church. And I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm going to be committed to Christ for the rest of my life. Well, the last thing here is the mandate. The mandate of believers' baptism. The meaning, the motive, the mandate. What is the mandate? Of course, it's the Great Commission. We started off with this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, Jesus said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, who is baptism for? It's, it's for all disciples of all nations. Baptized people baptize people. Baptized people baptize people. Do you not think that you'll be some tremendous witness for Christ out there in the world if you won't do it visually through baptism? It won't happen. Because obedience says baptized people baptize people our motive has to be that i'm identifying with christ i want to do what he tells me to do i want to do the things that he expects me to do i put this in your outline while baptism isn't necessary for salvation i think i've said that more than a couple times tonight that doesn't mean it's not necessary at all. <laughs> Even though baptism isn't necessary for salvation, uh, it doesn't mean it's not necessary at all. It's necessary, we talked about why it's necessary, for humility, for obedience, for identification, for evangelism. It's necessary. You're not obligated. But at the same time, it's not optional. God doesn't make it an obligation, but he doesn't make it optional either. I mean, do you see anywhere in the scriptures when he talks about people getting baptized, they just got baptized because they felt like it? I don't see that. Or, hey, it might be kind of a cool thing to get baptized. No. Some people make the argument with the thief on the cross. You know who the thief on the cross is, right? Jesus was hanging on the cross. One of them was a thief and said he believed in, in, in Christ as the Savior. And, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And I've heard people that haven't been baptized, they'll say, well, I'm kind of like the thief on the cross. I go, really? You, I mean, the thief on the cross? Jesus promised heaven to him and he wasn't baptized, they'll say. And that's, that's right. That's, that's completely biblical. But let me under, help you understand the difference <laughs> between you and the thief on the cross. 
he couldn't be baptized. He couldn't. The reason he wasn't baptized is because he could not be baptized. And the reason that you should be baptized as a believer in Christ is because you can be. It's that simple. In fact, when you think about the thief on the cross, he did on the cross what you and I do when we go in through the waters of baptism. That's exactly what he did. He was publicly surrendering. He was publicly trusting in. He was publicly crying out to the Lord, remember me, I believe in you, you are the Messiah, I give my life to you. He was doing all that as he hung on that cross, and that's the exact same thing you do when you go through the waters of baptism. That's the message that you're displaying. Now, if you'd rather be crucified on a cross, maybe we could work that out. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that would go, to, go over too well today. There's an easier way to give that picture to people of surrendering, right, through the waters of baptism. I mean, that's how ridiculous it, it, it gets sometimes, though. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, whether it's being shamed or being prideful or just not understanding, I think most people just don't understand the real reason for baptism and the understanding of why it is so important to the Lord that he would mention it 74 times because it's really a, a picture, another way to display his glory of Christ through the gospel. And I would ask tonight, if you're a believer in Christ, if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior and you haven't been baptized, get it done. Get it done. There's no reason to wait. None at all. I can't think of one reason why that shouldn't happen. Because it's the first step in your walk with Christ in obedience. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, we thank you for this picture of, of the gospel. We thank you for the picture of being buried, dying and being buried with Christ, but also being raised to newness of life. And Lord, we thank you that we do have victory in Christ. And, and when we pull a body from the waters of baptism and they come up and you can see the smile on their face and the joy that's in the church when people celebrate uh, a believer who has followed the Lord in obedience through the waters of baptism. Lord, it's a testimony of your glory and your grace in our lives. And Father, we would never want to steal that glory from you. We would never want to hide that glory from you. And so Lord, we pray for for all who are listening to this message tonight, that you would convict and really uh, move, draw people to do the right thing when it comes to believers' baptism and displaying your grace in our lives through that time uh, of testimony and just following you in, in the waters of baptism. Pray for our fellowship now, Lord, that you would bless our time of, of conversation and just uh, give us a, a, a good week. Lord, we thank you that Dave Bolin is doing well uh, through his uh, pneumonia. He's got this pneumonia in his lung and he seems to be doing a lot better today and says that he's feeling a lot better. And we just pray for his constant um, care. Lord, pray that you give the doctors wisdom as he recovers from this and that that medication would, would do the effect that it needs to do and, and squash out this pneumonia in his lung. And Lord, also pray for his wife as well that you care and watch over her. And Father, we thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.